Brendan Donovan, who thinks on here for the USA. Now here come Watford. Manchester City are still alive here. Cross, and Dempsey is denied again, and Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Here's Hulk! Dini! Balotelli, Aguero! Go, go, USA! Do not scratch your eyes. You are really seeing the most extraordinary finish here. Hello and welcome to the Run of Play podcast. I'm your host, Spencer Papsiak, and joining me, as always, from Davidson, North Carolina, is Ryan Almeida. Ryan, how you doing today? Uh, man, I, I, I've been better. I'm always up to talk about the Premier League, so I'm good now, man. And with that spoiler right there, and probably you could tell by the name of this episode, we are previewing the entire 2016 to 2017 Premier League season. We are going to talk about all 20 teams in detail, but first, you know the deal. Ryan, you got those Twitter details? Always do. So as you guys remember, we're part of the Young Speak Network. That's a website and media network devoted to sports, politics, and pop culture. This is coverage all by people under the age of 25. So follow at real underscore young speak on Twitter to find our podcast and lots more great stuff. And as always, at Run of Play Show is our personal account with all of our coverage and gifts and everything else you could ever want about the beautiful game. Yes, remember, follow and subscribe on SoundCloud and do the same on iTunes. Ask us questions. You know where to find us at either of those Twitter accounts. We want to hear back from you. But Ryan and I have blitzed through this. We are going at record-breaking pace here because we want to leave as much time as possible to talk about the Premier League. So just to give everybody a glimpse into the inner workings of the Run of Play podcast, we're going to talk you through briefly what we did to preview these teams and how we are going to talk about them today. So the first thing that Ryan and I each did was we made independent rankings of where we thought the Premier League table would be at the end of the season. So we each made a mock table of what we thought would happen. I averaged the two together and came up with an aggregate table that we are going to work from bottom to top. And then for each team, we have prepared one key or interesting player to talk about. Ryan, how's that sound? I cannot wait. I'm so excited. All right. And the best thing about this episode is that it will get progressively better as it goes on because the teams will get better. There's only so much you can say about Hull City, but there's a heck of a lot that we want to talk about involving Manchester United, Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool, Leicester, all these great teams. But we got, you know, just like everything in life, we got to work a little bit to get to the reward. So by working, that means having to talk a little bit about Hull City and the Burnleys of the world. It happens. So we're going to spend a couple minutes talking about each team, and I've already mentioned them a couple times, Hull City. They had an average score of 20th in our Premier League predictions, and there are only 20 teams in the Premier League, so clearly Ryan and I don't think highly of Hull City. That's because they only came in fourth in the championship last season. They made their way up through the playoffs, and this was actually their first year in the championship 
after having bounced down after spending some time in the Premier League. So they spent one year in the championship. They've bounced straight back up. But, uh-oh, Ryan, tragedy strikes this summer because their manager, Steve Bruce, has resigned, leaving for another club, which has left Hull in a bit of a limbo because lots of people credited Bruce as one of the reasons that they made it back up into the Premier League this past season. And they also really haven't made any signings. They've signed some... Uh, real low, no-name players, but they haven't made that key signing or those key signings that might give you hope that they're going to do something this year. Um, they lost key attacking midfielder Mohamed Diame to Newcastle. Yes, that is a player going from a Premier League side to a championship side voluntarily, but he had nine goals and 38 appearances last season, and they're in a bit of trouble, Ryan. What player do you think is a key player that's going to maybe help keep Hull up a little bit? Listen, I mean, this was picking picking a dry here. It was really, really a struggle. When you've got a team that has no manager and nine players show up to one of their trainings, I kid you not, you have your own team, uh, your own players tweeting, trolling whole city about the fact that they've got nine guys training with a week before the Premier League season. Like when back back in my club soccer, you know, my prestigious club soccer career, I played for, you know, a lower division team in Massachusetts, um, where at one point we had nine guys going into the season and had just gotten a new coach. And I still think we were better off than Hull City. Um, that being said, I picked Andy Robertson, the exciting young fullback who was the target of some interest in Tottenham for transfer, but nothing really accumulated here. Not much to say about this team, but he is a speedy, you know, composed young fullback who was signed from Dundee United for about three million pounds. Um, Andy Robertson, and I think if anything anything is going to keep Hull City up. They have to defend well, and this guy could really be a star among a team where we're not really going to see much else. Yeah, this was kind of the recipe that Hull City used their last time in the Premier League. They were heavily criticized for it. They just kind of bunkered and attempted to not very successfully counter, and You know, I feel like one thing that the media really likes are these championship sides that come up and they are going to play attacking football. And even if that means they're going to go straight back down again because they can't hold their own, at least they're trying to do something. And Hull's just going to sit up here and try to get nil-nil draws. And one guy that could change that, I think, is Albel Hernandez, a Uruguayan striker, kind of a veteran guy, but he banged in 20 goals last season in in the championship with Hull not offering much else in attack, he's going to have to be huge for them this year in the Premier League to have any chance of them staying up. I mean, I guess nothing is impossible with Leicester City last year, but I want to say this is impossible. They're they're going to need a lot to stay up. A best-case scenario for Hull here, I think, is that they survive relegation by maybe one or two spots, are able to reload, remanager, regroup, and look towards the season after this one. But getting out of that relegation zone is going to be tough from the get-go. Moving on up the table, our projected 19th place team still getting relegated, just not as badly as Hull City. We have West Bromwich Albion. And West Brom, um, I had them rated a lot higher than Ryan did, but uh, this is how the, the aggregate 
spit it out, and West Brom is in 19th place. They were 14th last year, so projecting a bit of a drop, but they haven't really made any changes to a squad that was largely underwhelming. Um, they're bringing in Scottish international right-winger Matt Phillips from Queen's Park Rangers, but other than that, they really haven't signed anyone yet. Um, they don't score a ton of goals. They didn't last year in the Premier League. And a lot of that load fell to Venezuelan international Solomon Rondon. And it's going to fall to him again this year because it doesn't look like he's going to have much help up top. Um, he was a kind of a big signing for West Brom a couple of years ago from Zenit St. Petersburg. And the reason that I'm going to highlight Rondon here is because we all saw him this summer uh, especially Ryan and I when we were doing our Copa America coverage. He actually ended up bagging two goals in Copa America group play, including a winner for Venezuela over Uruguay. This was a Venezuela team that wasn't expected to do much in the Copa America. I'm thinking, hey, maybe this guy can ride some confidence and he can have a pretty good year in the Premier League. Outside of that, um, I can tell you what West Brom's recipe for success is, and it's uh, do okay at home. Try to pick up a few draws and stay alive? Yeah, stay, stay alive sounds good to me. Um, I mean, I, I don't see much going on for this team, to be honest. I think they have a largely underwhelming midfield and defense. And like we were saying, they don't score a lot. And they're going to need to score a lot because I don't, I frankly, looking at, you know, the likes of their players, and they've got some guys who have been around, you know, in the Premier League for a while. You look at Johnny Evans, you look at, Darren Fletcher, Ben Foster, all these ex-Manchester United players on their team. I just don't see it happening for West Brom against a team against a league where teams have out and about, in my opinion, gotten much much stronger this off season. Um, the guy I've lo- decided to look at for this team and highlight is Saito Barahino, English footballer, plays for West Brom. West Brom up top. Um, he was a real real solid player for them last season. He led the offense very much that with Rondon um, on a you know largely unproductive strike force, but still you know he's known for those moments of magic. He's good with the ball at his feet. He makes smart runs, and he's a really ruthless finisher when you give him the time and space. Um, I like to, I'd like to see him bag a few goals this season, but again, I I don't feel it for West Brom. Staying in the relegation zone, our projected 18th place finisher is Burnley. And Burnley, much like Hull City, uh, spent one year in the championship after having been relegated, and they have bounced straight back up, actually by winning the championship last season by several points. They didn't really lose anyone from that squad. They're returning their top three goal scorers. One problem for Burnley, though, is that they were victim of a similar issue that whole city was when they were in the Premier League is they just didn't really have the guns to go at teams and try to attack and they ended up playing a lot of defensive minded football and that eventually got them relegated so let's see if they can come into this season with a little different mentality maybe some different players and see what they can do this time around in the Premier League. Yeah and I think Burnley's got a tall task on their hands here um, but it wouldn't surprise me if they were able to pull off a few upset wins, I think, this season. Um, to me, I think success is going to start at the back line for this Burnley squad since they really don't dazzle offensively when, you know, maybe they do in the championship, but when you're looking at the likes of the Premier League, you know, it's a whole other story. And 
I think it'll be very interesting to see how young central defender Michael Keane does, who has been a real stalwart for Burnley this past championship season. Um, he's an ex-Manchester United reserve player, has a brother, Will Keane, who also plays for the team. Um, only 23 years old, you know, bright future ahead of him. Um, 55 appearances, 5 goals for Burnley. And I think this is going to be a real test to see how far he's progressed since his Manchester United days. So I'm looking forward to seeing him back in the Premier League. Absolutely, and this is another team, like you said, if they can keep their defense together, they do stand a decent shot at staying up, uh, much like any of the last three squads we mentioned. Um, one thing that I really find interesting is when teams kind of come out of nowhere at international tournaments, and they have these great runs, and a group of maybe under-heralded or unknown players that you haven't really heard of before, um, and that for this summer was Iceland. And Burnley actually ended up signing one of the Iceland internationals, Johan Berg Guzmandensen. He was a winger at Charlton Athletic, and he started every single game of the Euros on the wing for Iceland. Burnley snatched him up this summer, and I'm not sure how much he's going to play. I think he's going to play some. I have no idea what his, his game time and minutes prospects are, but... I'm just very interested to see what he does moving forward and if maybe he can take a take this as another step and move up to a bigger club next year. Yeah, he was he was impressive during the Euros and I hope, you know, keep the Iceland story alive. I hope he finds success in the Premier League. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Absolutely. And uh Ryan, guess what? We have we have exited the relegation zone. Woo, thank goodness. And now we gotta talk about Sunderland. I know. I tried very hard to relegate this team, but Ryan's stubborn ranking them at 16th kept them up, and the average was that they were at 17th. Interestingly, three tickets to the Stadium of Light opening game. Interestingly enough, this is exactly where they finished last year, and it's been a very familiar spot for them over the past few seasons. And that is the good news. The good news is that Sunderland stayed up. And then here's where the bad news starts. The bad news is that the manager that pretty much single-handedly did this is now gone. Big and Sam. that Big Sam Allardyce has been hired by England as the English national team manager and has left a giant hole in the managerial position for Sunderland. You know, not helping them is that it wasn't a big year for them in the transfer window. Um, a lot of the work up top, striking, the goals is all going to fall on the shoulders of Jermaine Defoe, the former Toronto FC player. He had 15 goals in 32 games last year, and it was kind of a rekindling of his form of old, so much so that he was in the talk to be added to the England squad for the Euros and apparently was one of the last players cut. Um, it's going to take a lot for Sunderland to stay up, and... Jermaine Defoe was absolutely brilliant down the end of the season. He had some of his best performances in the last few match weeks and almost single-handedly kept them out of the relegation zone. Sunderland is either going to have to find scoring from elsewhere in the squad or Jermaine Defoe is going to have to have an incredible season um, because they can't rely on a couple coin flip matches at the end of the season to see whether they finish 17th or 18th every single year. They have to make progress. And Ryan, who do you think can help them make that progress? 
Yeah, I'm going to highlight a guy who really fell out of favor last year, but the talent's there, and it's all about bringing it out. And that's Jermaine Lenz, uh, the Dutch international, 28 years old, winger, um, plays for Sunderland. He had previously had success with PSV, Dinamo Kied, and uh, at Alkmaar, so pretty big clubs in Europe. You know, not the biggest, but consistent Champions League and Europa League contenders. Um, this guy has a lot of talent. He's Dutch international, as I just mentioned. Um, you know, good on the ball, pacey. You know, you're you're good attacking winger, the type of guy who creates chances and, you know, puts defenders on their toes. Kind of fell out of favor with Sam Allardyce. You know, really didn't get the most out of him. He had some issues with, you know, refusing to cool down after a match. You know, expressed frustration to the media that he wasn't getting enough playing time, which is not always, you know, is never a respectable move by a player. But it's a new season, new manager, and he's a good talent. If they can get some goals out of this guy, if he finds, you know, the right role, the right niche in the system, um, he could really spark Sunderland's offense. That is, you know, not completely centered around Jermaine Defoe, although it was last year. I mean, they've got guys like Fabio Barini and, you know, they've got Lenz and, like, Lee Cattermole shoring things up in midfield. They've got, they, they might have a chance, and I couldn't. As much, as much as it pained you, I couldn't put them down this year. Something tells me that Sunderland Football Club is like a bad rash that you just can't get rid of. So I'm, I'm keeping them up. Kind of like a turd that the Premier League just can't flush. Um, DeAndre Yedlin, <laughs> yes. there's a good chance that he will end up being transferred to Sunderland sometime in the next couple weeks before the transfer window is up. That will give all U.S. men's national team fans a reason to keep following them. Um, moving on to brighter pastures named Watford, actually. Um, Watford is our 16th place team. They were 13th last year. I was a little higher on Watford than Ryan was, um, but I think that they are a fun and exciting team. One problem, though, I found when I was looking at some statistics is that they scored 37 goals in the Premier League last season, which is not a very high amount, and that 28 of those goals were scored by just two players, Troy Deeney and Odian Igalo. They restocked their wingbacks and fullbacks. They shored up their central midfield in this transfer cycle. They got the fantastically named Bryce Deja J from Marseille. And I'm Beautiful. sure I pronounced that wrong. And Juan Zuniga on loan from Napoli. But they did not add anything to their attack. So that comes down to two players, Dini and Igalo. And I'm really wondering if both of those guys can stay healthy all year long. And if they can keep up that same form that really did good for Watford last year. And that's why I've selected Troy Dini. Um, he's less of a more true center forward as striker, kind of a, a false nine type forward. And he's the captain. He is a Watford veteran. He's been with them for years. And he's going to link up the midfield and the attack. And Watford need a huge year from him and the guy that Ryan is about to talk about if they want to stay up. Because I don't see where else that goal scoring is going to come from. Yeah, and when we look at Watford last season, you know, the big big story behind their season was they came off to a blistering start in the first half of the season. Um, you know, we're bagging goals left and right before Christmas and picking up really, really solid results. And a lot of that success came behind the fine form of the other striker in that 
28-goal duo, Odia Nigalo, uh, the Nigerian forward, 27 years old. He's a true out-and-out striker, physical, strong on the ball. He's got real good instinct. He finds space in the box. He attacks crosses. And, you know, for a long time at the beginning of the year, he was a real force to reckon with. And he was really in a fine run of form. Um, and then after Christmas, Watford and Odia Nigalo's scoring touch just vanished. And... They, he was on a almost 600-minute scoring drought that didn't end till March, basically. And I really think that if Watford's going to find the same success that they did at the first half of last season, they've got to do it through Odin Igalo, just like they did last time. So I'll be looking to him to really bear the brunt of this Watford attack and really put defenders on their heels and make smart runs and bag the goals. Absolutely. So some of you may be wondering, uh, Spencer and Ryan, where have you put all of these these three clubs that have come from the championship, I mean, do you think all three of them are going to get relegated? And the answer is no, because Middlesbrough is not going anywhere. They are in the Premier League to stay, or at least says our rankings. We have Middlesbrough at 15th. They were second place in the championship last season. And kind of like I mentioned earlier, they are one of those championship clubs who's going to actually come up and try to attack other people. Instead of playing that boring Burnley or Hull style, um, they're going to they're gonna come out and they're going to go at you a little bit. And they're gonna, they are gonna have been much more active in the transfer window. Um, but the questions remain about whether this club can come together as one cohesive unit. Um, they had no double-digit scorers in the championship last season but had eight players that had four or more goals. So they've kind of spread it out a lot. And I'm a little worried that they aren't going to have that go-to guy that you sometimes need in the long Premier League season that you can go to over and over again and get a steady supply of goals. Um, The goals-by-committee approach, uh, I'm not sure if that's going to work perfectly for them, but you know what do I know? It got them here, so what's to say it's not going to keep them up? One guy that I'm going to highlight is Ghanaian winger Albert Adama. And this guy is awesome, Ryan, because he can play right wing and left wing. So one thing that Middlesbrough does is they move him around mid-match and try to find the best matchup for him. He's a guy that he's pacey. He's good on the ball. He loves to cut inside. He has skills. And I'm excited to see this guy in the attacking system moving forward, playing balls in from the wings and in general, just being a really exciting nuisance for some some squads this year. Yeah, kind of like a kind of reminds me of a pseudo Riyad Mahrez there. You know, good on both feet. Exactly. You know, yes. Dual threat. Um, I'm really excited to see him in the Premier League. Uh, you touched on their need to maybe move away from the scoring committee style of play and really find a central figure to lead their offense. And I think if there is a guy who can do that. My money's going to be on ex-Manchester City striker Alvaro Negredo. Um, those of you who you know are Premier League fans or Man City fans or fans of Spanish football maybe may remember Negredo's days in Manchester City. Um, there's no doubting this guy's talent. Um, he's getting up there at age 30 years old. You know he's not exactly a young gun, but he's got experience and he's got a real goal-scoring instinct. And you know this is a tough league and. That experience of having been in the Premier League before at an elite squad and playing, you know, at an elite level and knowing what it takes to be successful um, is 
experience that if used right could be really valuable for Middlesbrough. And if he finds the right run of form, you know, when you've got the service from guys like Adama and, you know, some of other Middleboroughs to other players, this could be a sneaky team. And I'm looking for them to not only stay up, but surprise some teams in the process. Absolutely. Uh, moving back up the table, and we've, we're going to get to a team that we're predicting to finish in 14th place. They finished 16th last year. And Ryan, this is a team that I think Middlesbrough can kind of emulate the success of, and that's Bournemouth. Um, I think those teams are pretty similar, actually. And just like Middlesbrough is predicted to, uh, at times last season, Bournemouth were lauded for their nice attacking play, how they tried to go at teams, even though that didn't work out well. Sometimes, yeah, they did struggle, and they tailed off a little bit at the end of the season. I do have some concerns. Their leading goal score only bagged six goals last season. They lost arguably their best player, Matt Ritchie, to Newcastle. They've been heavily criticized for the price that they paid for his replacement on the wing, Jordan Ebay from Liverpool. But I think Bournemouth, they've retained most of their squad. This is kind of the full package here, and I do think that they stay up. And I think they, out of a lot of these teams, have the most likely odds to kind of do what Swansea has done, is kind of put a few mid to low table finishes together and turn into a real solid team top to bottom. Uh, the guy I want to talk about is a name that will be familiar to all either Fulham or U.S. Men's National Team fans, and that's Emerson Heinemann. And he actually was signed by Bournemouth this year um, on a free transfer from Fulham, and he didn't make the team squad for the season. He will get some playing time in the Premier League this year. I don't think he'll get a ton of time. But it's going to be something to watch out for is that the U.S. men's national team has another midfielder in the Premier League. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see Emerson Hyman get a chance to impress us on the big stage. I think if he could find some success, that would be super cool as a U.S. fan and just as a fan of the game in general. Um, we talked about, we alluded to him earlier, and uh, by the way, it's Jordan Ibe. Um, I. Oh. Yeah, Ryan told me wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that in order for Bournemouth to find more success than they did last year, they've got to have a good year from Jordan Ibe. Uh, Though we have, we really don't know. I mean, his name could be almost anything at this point. Yeah, I, Jordan, Jordan Ibe. I don't know. We, we need him to have a good year in order for Bournemouth to find success. Because, as you mentioned earlier, six goals from their top scorer is not good enough in the Premier League. Well, I guess it was good enough, but I don't think it'll be good enough this year. He is a speedy attacking player who can play winger, attacking midfield, and striker. Criticized at Liverpool, there was a lot of hype around him. You know, many people were labeling him as overrated after, you know, not really finding success with this Liverpool squad. But don't forget, the kid's only 20 years old. Granted... You know, when you have that much hype, you do, you are expected to, you know, produce results on the field, and you can't argue with that, but let's give him a chance here at Bournemouth. I mean, Bournemouth did fantastic to stay up in their first ever Premier League season last year, and I think if Jordan Ibe can score some goals and find run of form, then I think they'll be good for a mid-table finish. Absolutely. Um, heavily criticized were Bournemouth for the price that they paid for him. 15 million pounds. A lot of people said that he is not worth anywhere close to that and is really a sign of the 
player inflation that has gone on in the Premier League this past year with the new TV deal money. But moving on from there, um, we are going to talk about Crystal Palace, who finished 15th last season. We have them projected to go up to 13th, but Ryan, there's a lot of controversy and differing of opinions when it comes to how Crystal Palace is going to do this year. I've seen projections putting them inside the top 10. I've also seen projections putting them in the relegation zone. We have them firmly in between the two at 13th, and their manager, Alan Pardew, probably is the best English manager left in the Premier League, a league that has been now dominated by foreign or non-English managers. But Ryan, Crystal Palace definitely has the talent. I mean, it is there. Uh, it's enough, I think, to make a push towards the top half of the table. It's just a question of whether all these pieces can come together. Now, last season they didn't have the league results that they thought they would, but Crystal Palace did really well in the FA Cup making it to the FA Cup final and losing a very tight match to Manchester United. But the player I was most impressed with when I watched that game was winger Wilfred Zaha. And this is a guy that, you know, much like Jordan Ibe, hyped younger when he was younger in his career, didn't really pan out, but has found a home at Crystal Palace. He is a pacey, quick winger that runs at people. He's got great tricks and skills, and I really like the looks of him. But... He is not my pick for most exciting or most important player. That man is ex-PSG midfielder Johan Kabai. He's really running the show there at Crystal Palace. Um, he had a lot of caps last year. He had a lot of good play, and I know a lot of the fans are really high on him because, I mean, he is the engine that runs this machine. He scored five goals in 33 league appearances last year, but he did much more than that. He was the perfect creative glue to run an Alan Pardew midfield. Yeah, I mean, Johan Kabai is a really special player. Um, lethal from distance on a long shot. He's got, he's got a cannon for a foot. I totally agree with you. This team is sneakily good. Lots of talent. Um, I would not be surprised either if they made a push for the top half of the table, and I'm going to focus on a player who had kind of fell out of favor at his old club a little bit towards the end of his career, but I think could be in for a refreshing new run of form, and that's Andres Townsend. Um, I feel like the theme of this podcast so far has been, you know, young, speedy, quick wingers. Well, here's another one for you. Andres Townsend is so fast, um, really, really talented on the ball. He's got quick legs, you know, really good agility, side-to-side, lateral movement, um, and he can stop the ball on a dime and make a defender miss. Um, and I think he just really bolsters this brand of creative, fast-paced, attacking football that Alan Pardew seems to be pushing his squad towards. And even more exciting, maybe, for Crystal Palace. I mean, this is possibly rumors, but... You know, talk to us a little bit later, and we could be talking about Christian Benteke. There's been a lot of interest from Crystal Palace in signing him, the big Belgian striker from Liverpool. And I'm telling you, if they showed up a guy like that with the likes of Johan Gabay, the speedy Zaha and Townsend, and a big target forward like Benteke, whew, this Crystal Palace team is going to be a force to be reckoned with. So I'm predicting a good year for them. Yes, and we will get to... Liverpool and their attempted offloadings of multiple players. But first, we have to make our way up very methodically, and we are up to 12th. And this is a team that came in 12th last year as well, Swansea City. 
and they had a pretty good campaign, but they never really had a true center forward. They never had that classic striker. And we're going to talk more about this guy later, but Andre Ayew kind of moonlighted there as a slightly out of position center forward. He scored 12 goals for them. That's not bad, Ryan. No, not bad at all. He's he is a good talent. But yes, we'll talk about him a little we later. will talk about him later. But up until this past week, forward was looking at a very very bare spot for Swansea. They lost key center back Ashley Williams to Everton. Uh, this is a guy who had 319 caps for Swansea in his career. But they made themselves well. They proceeded to sign veteran striker Fernando Lorente and young Spanish striker Borja Baston, a 23-year-old who had 18 goals in 36 games for Ibar in Spain last year. He's the guy I think is going to be the biggest key for Swansea because he's very young, he's very exciting, but he's not at one of those winger positions like we men mentioned. He is going to be the main dude up front, and he's going to have a very exciting attacking midfielder sending him the ball. Yeah, and that attacking midfielder we're talking about is Gilfi Sigurdsson. Um, I'm sure you guys all remember him from our beloved Iceland's run uh, in the Euros this past summer. Gilfi Sigurdsson was the heart and soul of that Iceland squad. Really talented player, uh, arrived from Tottenham recently. Uh, um, had you know he he took a little bit of time to get uh, adjusted to his you know playing at Swansea. And maybe, you know, he kind of disappointed people, I think, towards the beginning of his Swansea career. But hopefully he can ride on that really great run of form he showed with Iceland over the, over the summer and save this Swansea team, which, you know, really wasn't looking too hot before they made the signings of Llorente and Borja Baston, who, fun fact, I signed last semester for my... Inter Milan FIFA 15 career mode team, but then sold him like within weeks because he was too slow. Um, but in real life, he's great. So I don't know. I think Swansea could be in for an up or down year, but it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one good thing that Swansea has going for them is possibly, in my opinion, one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League, Lukas Fabianski, the Polish goalkeeper. He will settle things in the back line, especially without the presence of Ashley Williams. And Ryan, I think this is the point in the table that things start to take a turn because honestly, from this point forward, they are all very, very good teams. I mean, Swansea's a good team and in another year or another era, we would be pegging them, you know, for maybe 6th or 7th or even higher. But, you know, they're a good team, but we have them at 12th and that's not a reflection on Swansea not being good. It's just a reflection on how deep the Premier League has gotten. Speaking of one of these depth teams, number 11 on our mock table is Southampton. And you're thinking, oh, that's a big drop from last year. Well, yes, it is, because they were sixth place last year. They will be in the Europa League this year, so they have all those extra matches to contend with. But it, all in all, it was a great year for the Saints. Big issues, though, Ryan. Yeah. They lose possibly their three most important players. Graziano Pelle, the Italian striker, Victor Wanyama, and Sadio Mane, all gone. And, uh, oh, by the way, they um, lost their coach. He's moved on to Everton, and they have that full schedule with the Europa League, and it's just kind of expected that we might see a dip in form. 
they brought in Nathan Redman from Norwich and the Danish wunderkid Pierre-Emil Hoijberg from Bayern Munich, who never really could break into the squad there. But I don't think either of those two signings is going to be enough to replace what Mane, Pele, and Wanyama uh, the the space that they have left. So that's why the guy I think that needs to step up this year is Dusan Tadic, a Serbian attacking midfielder that can also play on the left and the right. He had seven goals last season. They're going to need a lot more from him this year if they want to even think about staying in the top half of the table against this great stacked Premier League. Yeah, I think the odds are against... Southampton this year um, to repeat the success that they had in the past season and this is a team that's really emerged over the past few years in the Premier League as a real solid squad that is consistently producing results and finishing in the top half of the table and I think you know it's really going to be tough to ever count them out but that is as you were saying a huge hole losing Pele, Winyama and Sadio Mane and I mean, a thing those three players have in common is they are largely attacking players. And to me, this is why I think a lot of the pressure is going to fall on Shane Long, the Irish striker. You know, really strong center-forward type player who, you know, is a force in the box and is a good finisher. Um, And he's had success in his career. He's moved around a little bit. You know, I believe he was with West Bromwich for a while. He had some games with Hull City. Um, but Southampton's going to need him to have a good season in order to maintain the success they have seen in the past. This, I mean, they've lost two of the most exciting strikers in the league in Pele and Mane, and I think if they're going to have any chance of a top-half finish, which we have not even pegged them at, I think they're going to have to find success in Shane Long. Absolutely, and this is this is the classic issue, though, for Southampton, is that they find or develop talent and then it ends up getting bought away from them after they find some success and they can't keep people around long enough they can have you know a real good title shot because if they keep those guys around then we're looking at a title contender this year but that's not how Southampton works that's not that's just not what they do and that's not what they can do I'm sure they would like to but this is just the way it is but I am I am positive that they will rebound and they will be back up there in the top five in a couple of years' time because that is just how they operate. Moving on to number 10, we have the team that the Sunderland manager, Ronald Koeman, left to go to, and that's Everton. They came in 11th last year. They are 10th this year. But I feel like they are going to be much a team that's much better than their, their spot in the table. I think... A 10th this year is a heck of a lot better than an 11th place finish last year because I just think the Premier League is better and deeper this season. Um, This is also a team that I can see making a huge jump in form from year to year, but that might not translate onto the table as much. One issue for Everton is that they sold centre-back John Stones for nearly £50 million to Manchester City, but Ryan, for me, it all comes down to that dude. Romelu Lukaku, he is the man. Up top, he dominates when he is on form. Let's just hope that he is this year. His last three seasons at Everton, he has hit 15, 10, and then 18 goals. I think he needs to and will take that number to 20 or higher this season. 
Yeah, I mean, Romelu Lukaku is just such an imposing force on the field. I mean, when when Everton and uh, I rather when Chelsea when he was with Chelsea came to the United States to play some preseason friendlies against the Seattle Sounders. I mean, there were Seattle Seahawks players who were looking at this guy and say, "Hey, why isn't he play, trying to play in the NFL? He's a big boy and he loves to score goals." Um, and I think if he's going to find success then in order for Everton to find success and in order for him to really capture top form, it's going to rely a lot on Everton's midfield and whether they can pull the strings. And when you think about Everton's midfield, you got to point to young Ross, Bar- Ross Barkley, uh, the English midfielder, who uh, at 22 years old, you think he's been doing it forever, you know? I mean, he's such a composed and talented player, and we're just waiting for him to look to really break through and be that dominant force. He's he's an absolute stellar talent. He's When he's on, he is on. He's got such a deft touch and such vision of the field that, you know, you see in a world-class midfielder. But I think consistency has really been an issue for this young man. And if Everton's going to have a good season, especially after losing John Stones from a defense that struggled last year, they need their midfield to be intact. So look for Ross Barkley to really lead the line behind the big Romelu Lukaku. Absolutely. The the scene or image that I'm always going to have in my mind when I think of Lukaku is him in the World Cup game against the United States. Ooh, yeah. I believe oh, yeah. it was Matt Beasler got caught in his path, and Romelu nice. Lukaku, he ran through him like Beasler was not even there. We are at the halfway point, and we are going to pause briefly for a quick sponsor's message and we've mentioned it before, but I'm going to quickly talk about Young Speak. The Run of Play podcast is one of several Young Speak podcasts that you can find at youngspeaknews.com. Most of mainstream media is run by those that are 40 plus years of age, but what about the opinions of millennials? Young Speak is a news website featuring writers only 25 years or younger. Whether it's sports, politics, or pop culture, Young Speak provides multiple avenues for you to be entertained. Read Millennials' takes on this year's election, or even listen to why Deadpool is or isn't the best movie of 2016. Not to mention Ryan and I's great takes about Premier League. So go follow at real underscore Youngspeak on Twitter, or search Youngspeak on Facebook to follow all this great content. They are posting podcasts, articles, and much, much more. Just remember, age is but a number. Moving on now to the team that we are predicting to finish in ninth place and that is Stoke City and this is not the Stoke City that maybe your older brother or father remembers from back in the day because they are playing a totally different style no longer is Stoke the tall imposing rough running hard tackling team no no no. they've started to put a little bit of flair and style into how they play um, they didn't lose anyone, really, from last year's squad. They have brought in Joe Allen from Liverpool. That's a really good move. And it's going to come down to pretty much what the offense can produce. they got a couple guys, one of them that Ryan's going to highlight. I'm going to briefly mention Marco Artinovic, a six-foot four center forward from Austria. This guy is tall, and he is good. He had 11 goals last year. They need that and more. But the guy I want to talk about, and, you know, I just mentioned how Stoke has changed the mentality a little bit, but that guy is Jeff Cameron because he is not only the classic Stoke player where he can be physical and rough and he can play hard-nosed defense, but 
He also can play three positions for Stoke. They can put him at right back, they can put him at the right-sided center back, and they can play him as a central defensive midfielder. He can play all three of those positions, and he plays them well. Across the board, he had 27 starts last season, and you know, outside of being a U.S. international, he is a very key player for this Stokes side. But they won't finish ninth if they don't get goals. Ryan, how are they going to get those goals? Yeah, and I think those goals have to fall on the shoulders of Swiss, interna- Swiss international Jordan Sukiri. Uh, if you guys watched him during the Euros, you may remember his spectacular scissor kicks and you know his deft touches on the ball and the fact that he has such stocky calves for such a small, quick guy. But Shakiri is a beast. And, you know, he he produced in the Premier League last year, but not at the rate that we would expect him to. And granted, I believe there were some injury struggles there. But if Stoke is going to find success this season, I would not be surprised if a lot of success comes from Shakiri. The guy is a world talent when he's on his game and I think if they can get the most out of this player then Stoke could be surprising a lot of people I wouldn't be surprised if they push for the top six even in a deep league like this so it'll be interesting to see where they're at absolutely I really want to know what his calf workout routine is because yeah, get me on that. oh my gosh yeah calf raises for days right there all right moving on now to the number eight predicted team, and that is West Ham. They finished seventh place last season, even though they challenged higher in the table for much of the year. I think every single striker in the world, Ryan, myself included, has been linked with West Ham this summer. They're really trying hard to find a guy, and they might have found him in Andre Ayew. What can you tell us about this guy? Andre Ayew is a fabulous player. Um, He found real success at Swansea this past season. As we mentioned earlier, scoring 12 goals in 35 appearances for the Welsh club. Um, He's now gone to West Ham, which is a team with bigger aspirations and bigger talent, I would go as far to say. Not to knock Swansea, but... Um, Andre Ayew, as we mentioned, kind of this false striker, midfield hybrid, really does it all offensively, and he's just got such a great sense of the game. He always puts himself in the right places at the right time, making smart passes, good crosses, and he can finish when he needs to, too, so look for him to have success under a dynamic West Ham offense. Absolutely, and one of the main reasons that Ayew made the the move to West Ham is because of their ridiculously awesome and exciting French midfielder Dimitri Payet and this guy is more than just free kicks I mean he's a free kick free kick maestro but overall he's a very fantastic player a great nose for goal and West Ham seems like it's uh, always on the line of being in or out of the Europa League and I kind of want to ask the question where do they go from here because they seem to have the ambition to want to move higher than languishing around 7th or 8th, but they don't really have the the budget or the paychecks yet to make that happen. So this season, I think, is going to be definitely a turning point for West Ham, as it is for the team that we have predicted in 7th place. And this is the point where Ryan and I want to have a disclaimer, is that from this point up, we have no idea what's going to happen. 
So these next seven teams could honestly finish in any order. They are all world-class squads with excellent managers, and we have no idea what is going to happen. But we have to pick somebody to be somewhere, and Leicester City is the worst of those seven great teams that we have projected. So the Premier League champions last season, we have them predicted at finishing seventh. Um, We talked in depth about this on a previous podcast. More or less, they have a, a big schedule, and they don't really have the players yet to accommodate the Champions League and the title defending Premier League season. However, They've made some fun signings, including the club's record transfer, a $16 million deal, Ahmed Musa from CSK Moscow. And this guy is the perfect complement to Vardy and Mahrez because he is an awesome, exciting, attacking forward winger to play on the other side of Mahrez. And this was a guy, actually, Ryan, that Lester wanted at the January transfer window last year and couldn't get the deal done. So this is a guy they've had their eye on for a while. A while. They finally got him, but unfortunately, no Nagolo Conte. Um, someone's going to have to step up in midfield. But, Ryan, do you think other teams can break Lester down? And who's your guy that you're looking at seeing? Yeah, man, I mean, this is... I have mixed feelings about this Leicester team because, I mean, for those of you who listened to our podcast where we talked a little more extensively about Leicester, I was not feeling good about them earlier in the season. But a part of that is revolving around the player I'm going to talk about now, and that's Riyad Mahrez. This is a guy who I had pegged for gone for good a couple of weeks ago. I, I did not think he would be on this team come the start of the Premier League. I thought he would be at Barcelona or maybe a slightly less big but still bigger than Leicester club. But here he is, still donning the Foxes blue. And as we saw in preseason, he's still got that goal-storing touch. He's still got, you know, those flashy foot skills that have dubbed him the Algerian wizard. Linking up with Jamie Vardy, I think, you know, they're still going to find success doing what they do. That being said, we all know what they do now. Granted, having... Ahmed Boussa, um, you know, such an exciting young talent, um, is going to bolster them offensively. I think they're really going to struggle to break down teams that will be better prepared to play them this year. And they won't have N'Golo Conte to rely on, who is just an absolute destroyer in that midfield role. So I think this Leicester team, you know, may do better than I had originally pegged them to do. I'm going to give them that. I think they could... Who knows? Maybe they'll surprise us and advance out of their group stage. Maybe, you know, they'll maintain some strong results in the Premier League. But I feel pretty comfortable with where they are at 7th in this ranking. But expect Riyad Mahrez to continue a success from last year. The more I keep thinking about it, the more I'm expecting um, them to actually make it out of that group stage into yeah, me the too. knockout rounds. But I think that's going to hurt their overall standing in the Premier League. So I actually think they are going to put all their, like, mental and physical effort into the Champions League, I think they're going to have some good results there. But I don't know if that's going to transfer as well back into the Premier League. But I think they're going to be okay with that, especially if they can have a nice run in the Champions League. This next team we're going to talk about, actually the next two teams we're going to talk about, are both playing Champions League football as well this year. And I just want to throw this statistic out here that in the history of the modern uh, iteration of the Premier League that Arsenal has never finished behind Tottenham Hotspur 
Just going to throw that out there. With that said, third place finish last season, projected for sixth this year by us, this are the Spurs. And this ranking is not going to sit well with Spurs fans, so tweet Ryan if you're upset. Because... At RyanJ83. Yep, tweet him. Take it. Uh, we're fighting again. This is another fighting podcast. Yep. Can't go a podcast without this. But on a more serious note, Tottenham is very, very good. Like I said, this top six or seven is honestly a toss-up. And they've added some dudes, including Vincent Janssen. Uh, he scored 27 goals in 34 games last year for AZ in the Netherlands. The Spurs are young, exciting. They have players like Deli Ali, Nabil Bentleb, Christian Eriksen, Musa Dembele, etc., etc. I could go on and on. But the player who really runs the show, I think, for Tottenham, Eric Dyer, the English international. He's 22 years old, already with 65 Spurs caps and 11 for England. He can play all the positions. Well, maybe not all of them, but... He can play pretty much all four defensive positions and about three or four positions in the midfield. And it's been said that he could moonlight at striker if he had to. I mean, this guy can do it all. His best position is probably a deep-lying defensive midfielder. But he's really going to be one of the guys to run the show this year for the Spurs. The only issue is they need someone up top. Uh, Vincent Janssen, I mean, he's a youngster. Ryan, who they got up there? Uh, we should all know by now, the prodigious Harry Kane. And let's not knock him too much for his Euro performances because let's not get back into that. I yes, mean, well, he was taking free kicks in the Euros, and he won't be at, uh, he won't be at Tottenham. That's just all we're going to say about that. He will be playing his position at Tottenham. And fun fact, when he's played that position as a starter in two seasons with Tottenham, he has scored 21 and 25 goals in the Premier League. And that is a remarkable feat for somebody his age. And I fully expect him to repeat a double-digit goal-scoring season, um, pushing on 20, maybe past 20. He's done it before. And I think Tottenham is young. They're exciting. They've learned. They've gained valuable experience from last season in what was a really meltdown at the end of the year after that heart-crushing loss, or heart-crushing draw, rather, that prevented them from winning the title but man six feels like too low but then I look at the other teams in this league and I'm like I don't know what else to do but they're going to contend for Europe maybe the title maybe I don't know the World Cup who knows they're they're a good team and I just I'm just ready to watch and (laughs) stop trying to guess absolutely I think they are going to do very well in the Champions League Uh, Maybe not doing as well in the Champions League, but better in the Prem is the next team we're going to talk about. The second place finishers from last year, number five in our rankings, Arsenal. And they really took advantage of some down years by the Manchesters and Chelsea. Had a really nice second place finish. And Arsene Wegner, I mean, he's, he's been around forever. And... The the voices from the fans every year, they keep getting a little louder that they want him out. Is this his last season? Maybe, maybe not, but it's definitely the defining season for him. He has a really tough task, and he has a club that doesn't really want to spend a ton of money on super crazy top-flight talent like the Chelsea's and the Manchester United's and Manchester City's of the world. However, they did make one big move this summer, about a $30 million transfer from Borussia Mönchengladbach in the Bundesliga, and that's Granit Xhaka. And 
you know, he's not the big goal scorer, but he is going to be very effective in the midfield for Arsenal, just trying to tie that team together. And like always, Ryan, Arsenal has a crazy good crop of academy kids that, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old, just just ready to insert themselves into the first team. So you know they'll have some youngsters that come up. They have Zaka in the midfield. And, you know, I think this team goes as, you know, one or two players go. And Olivier Giroud is that guy. I mean, he played great for France this summer. I think he is a really great option to have up there. And Ryan, who else do they have? Yeah, I mean, there are a couple of guys you could highlight. And I want to give a shout-out to Mizzet Ozil for being, you know, absolutely wonderful player and just an assist machine. And his but eyes I, are really weird. His eyes are freaking strange. Um, but if I'm going to look at a guy who I think a lot of Arsenal success could fall behind, it's somebody who, you know, hasn't produced at the level people have predicted him to his career, and that's Theo Walcott. And granted, he has dealt with injuries, as have... Many a player, even players on that team, cough, cough, Aaron Ramsey, cough, cough, Jack Wilshire. Um, but Theo Walcott, the speedy England striker slash winger, really needs to have a good year in the last year of Wenger's contract because if he is not producing at the level at which his talent would allow him to, then this Arsenal team is just going to be lacking in so much attacking potential. And, I mean, when he when he is on his game, he's blistering pace. Nobody's going to beat him off the ball. It's going to be tough to beat him on the ball. And he's a good finisher, too. So I think Theo Walcott needs to have a big year to take some of that pressure off Olivier Giroud, who is a solid striker. But he's, you know, I mean, when you're playing just through Olivier Giroud, that is difficult to be a Premier League winning team on. Granted, I, and I, by that I mean winning the championship, not just winning games in general. Absolutely. And you, you mentioned this guy's name briefly, but I really want to talk about him real quick, and that's Aaron Ramsey. Mm. This guy, he played so ridiculously well for Wales this summer at the Euros. I was inclined to say that he was the player of the tournament for any team, for anyone. Yeah. I think he was the best guy to take the field at the Euros this summer. And he's claimed in the media that he is going to take that form plus more into the season for Arsenal. If he can actually do that, they look like a team that can actually win the Prem. Because when he is on his game and he, when he's healthy, oh my gosh, he's one of the best attacking midfielders in the world. So look for him to you know keep that form going. But... I do want to highlight that the three teams that were automatic qualifiers into the Champions League, we have pegged at 7, 6, and 5. That just shows you what a year What a year we're looking like, uh, that it's going to look like in the Premier League this season. And one of the teams, one of several teams that's going to make a big jump, I think, and if the hype is to believe a lot of other people, and that's Liverpool. They were 8th place last year. And we saw them um, uh, sack Brendan Rodgers. They hire former Dortmund manager, near and dear to my heart, Jurgen Klopp. And they've really, really done well in this transfer window. And finally, this team is Klopp's team. This is the team that he wants. He got rid of Martin Skirtle. Uh, he got rid of Jordan Ebay. He got rid of Joe Allen. He's trying really hard to sell Balotelli and Benteke. But... Man, Ryan, this this team looks like it could be really good. They add uh, Giorgino Wijnaldum from 
Newcastle, and they add Sadio Mane. And this team already up top has Daniel Sturridge, Divac Origi, Firmino. But I think the guy who's the key to make all of this run, especially in Jurgen Klopp's gegenpressing system that we haven't really seen in the Premier League, is Philippe Coutinho. And you know who he is? Who is he? Brazilian Marco Royce. And the reason I say that is because they are comparable in stature, they are comparable in style of play, but Marco Royce's best years were when Klopp was at Dortmund and deploying Royce in the middle and on the left of that midfield, running, pressing, winning balls back, great, beautiful passes, great finishes. I think that Jurgen Klopp has to look at this lineup and say, I can do with Coutinho what I did with Royce at Dortmund. Yeah, I mean, Philip Coutinho has such raw talent on the ball and just flashes of brilliance we see from him throughout his, we've seen from him throughout his Liverpool career just make me think that he is a real difference maker on the pitch and a lot of their success has to run through him. Um, and I think when he plays well, their whole offense is going to play well. And one guy I want to focus on in particular is new signing Sadio Mane, the Senegalese striker um, who just came over from Southampton. Um, this is a guy who has real, real pace up top um, and can really find the back of the net. Uh, 15 goals in all competitions for Southampton last year. Um, just moved to Liverpool. And he was really... Uh, highly desired striker in this league and Southampton's going to be missing him up top as we talked about earlier and I think Liverpool you know with the likes of Daniel Sturridge and Sadio Mane and Philip Coutinho um, could really really prove to everybody that this team is for real and that Klopp is for real and I would not be surprised to see them in the top four I mean man I don't like I, I don't know if I'd be surprised to see any of these teams anywhere, but I, I think Liverpool is for real this year. Absolutely. And, you know, the Klopp really has the backing of the fans and the players, and it just looks like a real real positive situation there in Liverpool. Um, next on our list is a team that we project to even make an even bigger jump than Liverpool. The 10th place finishers from last year moving up to third, and that is Chelsea because it is Antonio Conte time. The former Italy national team manager moving over to Chelsea, and they made two pretty big signings, but nothing crazy past that. They signed the aforementioned Nogolo Conte from Leicester, and Belgian striker, and I'm going to get this name wrong, but Miki Batshue? I I don't know. sounds close. It's, It's close. Google it if you don't. Don't think I did that right, so find out for yourselves. But this is more or less the same squad that won the Premier League two years ago, but it's also the same squad that finished 10th place last year. So not really sure what's going to happen, but you have to think that under Antonio Conte, things are going to be better. I think the guy who's the key, who was the key two years ago to all their success is Aiden Hazard, and he had a horrible year last year. He barely even scored until the last month of the season. But when he turned his game around in the last month, that coincided with Chelsea's best form of the entire year. So who knows what the difference was between 14-15 to and 15-16. And who knows what the difference will be 
from that year to this coming year, but you have to think it comes down to the manager. And if anyone's going to get the most out of this squad and challenge for a title, it's Antonio Conte. Oh, and they don't have any European games to worry about. So they can just they can focus in. Yeah, and I think not having any European game is going to be such a big advantage for this Chelsea team. Antonio Conte is a born winner. I mean, we've got a lot of big-name managers here, and it's easy to overlook this guy, but he is here to win this league. And the player I want to highlight that I think will make a difference, and we talked about him a little bit earlier, is N'Golo Conte, um, the French midfielder signed from Leicester City, who was so instrumental in their fairy tale story last year. Um, and Golo Conte is going to do something that I think this Chelsea team is in desperate need of, and that is shore up the back line. And he'll do that from the midfield. He's not playing defense, just to be clear. But he's going to do exactly what he did at Leicester. He's going to read the game. He's going to make tackles. He's going to keep possession of the ball. He's going to intercept key passes. And he's going to do what Chelsea really needs. And that is the dirty work so that guys like Eden Nazar and Cesc Fabregas and Villian can go out there and do their thing. And I think... Chelsea has built a really strong team here. Still questions about that central defense. You know, we talk about the horrible form they had last year. They didn't really do much to bring in new guys back there. I know they've got Kurt Zuma out in injury, which is a big loss for them. But I expect Chelsea fully to fight for the title this year and wouldn't be surprised if they sneak up and grab it. Absolutely. In case you're wondering about um, U.S. international center back Matt Miazga, it's expected and rumored that he's going to go on loan to Eintracht Frankfurt in the Bundesliga. So he will not be at Chelsea this year. That is what we know for sure. His final destination remains to be seen. But we move up the table, Ryan, to the number two team. And of course, who we choose here will reveal who we both think is the unanimous pick to win the Premier League. And the number two team is Manchester. Manchester City. Sorry to all the City fans. Let the United fans rejoice. But Manchester City, I mean, it honestly almost feels like a toss-up between these two. And I'm going to tell you why. Pep Guardiola. He is the difference maker. The Bayern manager moving over to Manchester City, uh, giving the Premier League a shot. They've added John Stones for the aforementioned nearly $50 And they added... Ike Gundogan from Borussia Dortmund for about $20 million. A great central midfielder there. John Stones, the center back. Got Pep Guardiola. But I think with all those new players, I think the biggest key for them is Sergio Aguero. And he's going to have to regain some previous form this year. Turn back the clock a little bit. He did have 24 goals in 30 games last year. And you heard it here first, folks. Sergio Aguero is the 2016-2017 leading goal scorer in the Premier League. Ooh, bold pick. I love it. Is it bold, though? He's so good. Um, it's not anyway. bold, but you know, when you're looking at Harry Kane and Jamie Vardy, maybe it's a little bold. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see a real big case being made for him, especially looking at the likes of his midfield that he's got at his disposal. Um, and a guy I'm going to highlight is the Belgian midfielder Kevin De Bruyne. 
And this kid is an absolute world-class talent. Um, he's such a commander in midfield, such a creative attacking player with just pure class um, when he's on the ball. He picks out passes that hardly anybody can see. Um, and he's also got a knack for scoring goals from the midfield, which is such a valuable score, uh, such a valuable trait to have in an attacking midfielder. Um, and I think he's in for a really big year. And especially with the new signing, Leroy Sané, to really shore things up in there and create space. And I think, you know, when you've got a three like that, boy, this Manchester City team is going to be tough to beat. Absolutely. The team that we, however, are predicting that is going to beat them and win the Premier League this season is Manchester United. Not an upset pick by any means, but they have that new manager, Jose Mourinho, they aren't in the Champions League, so they don't have to worry about that. I have a feeling they're going to do the thing where they play a bunch of youngsters in the Europa League and just focus in on this Premier League title. Of course, they add the man, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. They add Eric Bailey from Villarreal, a defensive midfielder. They add um, oh, just, just a guy named Paul Pogba and Heinrich Mkhitaryan from Borussia Dortmund. This is insane. Because they've added four incredible players to what was already a crazy talented squad. And, I mean, when you look at the attacking options they have, Wayne Rooney, Memphis Depay, Martial, the young Englishman, Marcus Radford, uh, Antonio Valencia, and much more. Those are just the attacking options. But, you know, Jose Mourinho, he is the key here. He is changing things around. He is going to totally revamp how Manchester United are run, and you have seen it with Bastian Schweinsteiger. There is no player that is going to walk into a Jose Mourinho squad. He's not going to let anyone get in just by name or reputation, and we've seen that with Schweinsteiger, who was told to go train with the reserve team because he was not going to get playing time this year if he kept training and practicing the way he was. Of course, Schweinsteiger is on a huge money contract. He doesn't want to leave for another club. So the answer was, pack up your locker. Go go move over to the reserves. Go train with the, uh, the U20 team because we don't want you. And Manchester United needs someone with the genius flair of Mourinho that can also run the team with the, the iron fist that he does. And I think this all combines to a recipe for a championship. Yeah, I really agree with you there. This Manchester United team has probably on paper the most talent I've seen from any team in the Premier League in my recent memory. I mean, God, when you've got when you've got to choose from Zlatan Ibrahimovic, uh, Wayne Rooney, Anthony Martial, Marcus Rashford as your forwards, like that is a coach's dream. And I'm going to talk about the man, the myth, the legend that is Paul Pogba. Because this guy, I think this is his season. This is his moment. And I think he is going to light the Premier League up. Uh, 28 goals and 124 appearances for Juventus after leaving from, guess what club? Manchester United. Um, after really never falling into favor with old boss, the late... Sir Alex Ferguson, late as in he's no longer on this team. Um, and 
I think he is just going to dominate in that midfield. Um, I know there are questions about does this team have too many egos? I mean, it's <laughs> it's. I mean, Jose Mourinho and Slatan Ibrahimovic, maybe just Slatan Ibrahimovic alone, have enough ego for the entire Premier League and La Liga combined. But I think that you can't argue with talent, and I think. This team is hungry for a championship. They're hungry to restore Manchester United to their former glory. And I think they've got a recipe for success. So sign me up for this Manchester United bandwagon because I think they're taking home the title this year. Yes, and just to clarify, both of us selected Manchester United as the number one team in our rankings. One thing you were mentioning about all those attacking options that they have the best thing about that is each option is different. They don't have yeah. a singular mold of player. I mean, they can bring out Zlatan to play, you know, big physical, you know, head the ball in type soccer, or maybe you know, put Marcus Rashford and Antonio, um, Anthony Martial out there and have a bunch of cuts inside and and good wing play, or you know, go more direct and put Rooney up there. So they have they have so many options and. This has to be just like a perfect dream for Mourinho because if something doesn't work, that doesn't mean their season is over. They can tinker with this squad. And it's just going to get even better as the year goes on. And the, the player I want to highlight is someone that we have barely even mentioned yet. But it was a guy that I saw for years play for my beloved Borussia Dortmund, and that is Henrik Mikatarian, the Armenian international. He is an attacking midfielder making the move to Manchester United, and he plays with such a specific style of flair that is so... This might sound like a contradiction, but the only way I can describe it is like a workman's flair. Is that he doesn't do anything he doesn't have to do. Um, He's not making excessive cuts or dribbles or nutmegs. He does exactly what he has to do to get the job done. However, the way he does it is with such a a beautiful elegance and it almost is like he's he almost seems like he's gliding over the pitch at times and just serving these perfect curling balls into a striker in the box. So I think he is the perfect guy for this team because he has that little bit of flair and that attacking ability, but he also has an incredible work rate and he's gonna run and he's gonna win balls and he's gonna track back. So I think all of that combined, you know, Paul Pogba, they've said he's gonna play more of a defensive midfield role. He's gonna he's gonna be out there instead of um Fellaini. And that's fine because he's horrible and Pogba's incredible. So this all works out well. But like I said, if Mourinho wants to play a, a team, this may be a smaller team, he wants more presence in the air, put Fellaini out there. Put Zlatan out there. He has so many great options. And I think that is the root of why we have picked Manchester United as the favorites to win the Premier League. Is not because they have the best players. I think they do. It's just they have so many options and so many different styles of player. And they have the right manager, I think, that can piece everything together. Yeah, couldn't agree with that more. This team is a force to be reckoned with. But, I mean, again... Disclaimer, Wester City is still a thing, which means our predictions could be more off-base than we could ever imagine. So we'll only know this weekend. Absolutely. And um, I think we're going to revisit this maybe at the end of the year and see how we did. I have a feeling 
um, that, you know, we're obviously not going to pick this correctly, but I feel like we got the groups correct. I think we got that, that lower table four or five and that mid table four or five and then that top seven. I think we nailed those, but who knows how the teams are going to finish within those groups. Ryan, only time will tell. And like you said, the Premier League, they start this Saturday. That is why we are doing this episode, that we're going to try to get this out before that happens. But NBC is going to do that great coverage all year round. So everybody, you know, check up on our predictions by watching the Premier League, by seeing some of the Americans out there. You know, let's hope Emerson Heinemann can have a good year, among others. Overall, I'm just really excited. Any last thoughts, Ryan? I can't wait for this Premier League season. Oh, it's so exciting. All right. We are both very excited. I hope you made it to the end of this, what's going to end up being an extremely longer than usual podcast, but we had a lot of coverage to cram into it. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Don't forget to like and subscribe both on SoundCloud and iTunes. You know the Twitter details, and thank you for listening. Goodbye.